Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozeal and I had the pleasure of speaking with Rohan Johnson today. He's a basketball skills coach at Lionheart Basketball, a company that he owns. Rohan has some really, his story growing up is it's incredible he is where he is today. Um, you know, once you listen to his story and what he came, went through, especially at a young age and what he went through, you know, through, um, you know, from medical reasons, uh, it's incredible that he made it this far. He's a much stronger person than I. So I, I appreciate him coming on and sharing his story a little bit and now what he's doing. Um, you know, he's made it all the way to helping train Kyrie Irving and Carmelo Anthony at certain times. So he's doing some really, really cool stuff. So I really hope you guys all enjoy this conversation with Rohan Johnson. Today, I have Rohan Johnson, basketball skills coach and owner, founder, CEO, whatever we want to say, of Lionheart Basketball. Rohan, appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure's all mine, man. Pleasure's all mine. I know you know some pretty cool people. Um, and at some point today, I'm probably going to ask you who the coolest number in your phone is, but uh, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, Rohan, is why do you love sports so much? Um. Sports for me was a way of uh, kind of escaping the troubles at home I had as a younger kid. So it kind of just became like a, a sanctuary or safe haven for me. Yeah. And what like, so let's, I mean, let's just jump right into that. I know you said you, you, you grew up in a really big household. Um, you're one of 10, but you live with, you know, 80 of your brothers and sisters, single parent household. Like what, how did you utilize sports as kind of that safe haven as that, as that way to kind of get away? Um, so it was rough growing up, um, especially being, being the oldest when you're the, uh, in a single family home. Uh, my mom didn't have a lot of help. And so it was actually tough for her playing, uh, paying for sports. So I was lucky enough to have people in the community to help me out with that. But it just like when there was, was rough times at home, I could always go to a gym and uh, kind of release that stress. Um, so that was that was really helpful for me when I was younger and it also kept me off the streets of like mm -hmm. what was going on like right outside my neighborhood like instead of falling into stuff like that that would either end up in jail or death for me I decided to go another route yeah I think that's a really smart decision you made as a young kid um, yeah. wanting to uh, wanting to stay alive and do your thing I mean it's 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 such a true thing about sports, right? Like, I mean, if, if you play sports, you're going to be tired, man. You shouldn't be out at 12 o'clock in the morning. Just from like a, just a pure physical aspect, like you really can't be out at 12 o'clock at yeah. night because you're, you're dead tired if you really did, you know, put in that energy and effort that's expected of you in something like this. So, yeah, man, I think it's, you know, it's very impressive that at such a young age, you were able to kind of realize that whether it was on purpose or just kind of happened that way, it is what mm -hmm. it is. But I think it's, uh, it's pretty great that you're able to kind of take advantage of something like that. And I guess you said that the community kind of came together and helped you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pay, pay your opportunity to, you know, like what, what was that like knowing at such a young age that there, there are a lot of, you know, obviously growing up in a hard situation, but there's a lot of people around that know or don't even know you that are willing mm -hmm. to help. Um, uh, be, so we had a boys and girls club that was like round around the corner from us. So that was really helpful. That's pretty much where I spent most of my time as a kid uh, growing up in Kingston, at least. And a lot of people, alumni that left there, they always uh, came back to the community and helped out. Whether like, so I never really had to pay for AAU, 
which was just like summer basketball. I always had people help out and sponsor me and um, stuff like that, like jerseys. Uh, sometimes it would take me on road trips if we had to go to like uh, games that I couldn't afford. I would stay in hotel rooms with, with a teammate that obviously their parent played for or something like mm-hmm. that. So that was really helpful to know that I had people in the community to look out for me if I want to achieve my goals and aspirations. That's awesome, man. It's always good to know that there's other people looking out there for you. Now I got to ask, man, like how often do you go back? How often do you give back? So I actually, um, I'm, I'm partners with the Boys and Girls Club. So I run an academy through there. And a part of my academy, I donate um, part of the money that we gain from the basketball academy to the Boys and Girls Club in Sargates and Kingston. And I also, well, last year was my first year. We did a, a clothing drive and a Thanksgiving drive where we partnered with Hannaford. And they uh, sent over some food st- food during um, Thanksgiving time. We fed over 100 kids in our community, and we gave them jackets and clothes and stuff like that. So that was Dude. that's that's something I do. I try to do as often as I can. That is incredible, man. Thank you for doing that. Um, I think it's so important. Again, you know, when 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 people are given something at a young age, especially like you were, it, mm-hmm. it's, you always find that they then want to give back themselves. So I didn't know yeah, that you did any of that. I asked yeah. because I, I assumed, um, and I and I and I assumed right, thankfully that yeah. you know you're also giving back to the the community that gave so much to you. Um, you know, even as you said, growing up in a hard situation, there were still people there that wanted you to achieve your goals and reach mm-hmm. your aspirations. And I think that part's pretty important. So you started playing basketball around the age of 10, uh, if I'm not mistaken, what was it like um, playing in high school? Like what, like at what point were you like, all right, this is something that, you know, I'm going to, we're going to really put a lot of time, effort, energy into this and see where we can go. So um, growing up, I actually tried out for my modified team in uh, I think eighth grade and I ended up not making it because of my grades where I was failing like three classes. So oh, I, I, yeah, I had, <laughs> had to make a decision that like, in that grade like is basketball something I seriously want to do so I decided that's something I seriously want to pursue so that forced me to also not only get my grades up but to put the time in because honestly I started at a at a pretty late age compared to most of my friends mm-hmm. they started two three years old so I started at a late age so I had to put in a lot of work to um, get to where I wanted to go so I put that work in and I made junior varsity in ninth grade which I was really surprised by I thought I was going to ended up playing on a freshman team but I just took a shot at it and I made junior varsity and I started both the years my ninth and 10th grade year and then I made varsity my 11th and 12th grade year 11th grade year we lost um in the sectional championship so that was pretty disappointing and then senior year wasn't wasn't a great year for us yeah well hey you lose that those upperclassmen I mean it is what yeah. it is but again you know you had a good time doing it and that's important and and I mean what was it like again you know you you started playing at a relatively late age what was it like kind of growing up with some of these guys and having you know that community around you through the boys mm-hmm. and girls club but then also really having that tight-knit group of guys um and you know all of you kind of going through the same thing together yeah so I had a group of friends that um we kind of pushed each other and motivate each other like we would we pretty much had the same routine I can remember like still to this day, especially like being inside and I'm getting back into video games. We would stay up late, play video games, and then just go to the gym at like five in the morning, come back, go to sleep, wake back up, play a little bit more video games, and go right back to the gym. So we were always in the gym like all the time just trying to get work in. Like it didn't matter the day of the week, we were always there. And we also had um, someone that was like big in our community who actually I stayed with for quite a while when I was moving between homes. Uh, his name is Chris Sesh. Uh, most people around here know who he is, but he was pretty much like coached everyone. And he's kind of became my father figure. So he also had us in a gym helping us like be better with our skills and be better men, most importantly. 
Yeah, that is also very important. And that's one thing that that's pretty cool about sports is, you know, it brings people together and it can make you just a generally a better person, uh, which I think is awesome. And, you know, shout out to to Coach Chris. It sounds like he had he had a hand in a lot of people's lives and in where you're from, specifically yours as well. And I think that that's pretty darn cool that someone is willing to uh, donate that much of their time to just help other people in their community. Again, as you have uh, seen and as you have done, I think that that's pretty important. And at what point uh, during your high school career did you ever think that, you know, you could potentially utilize this for your education moving forward to potentially like play this in college? So I had a, I got my first like letter, um, I think, and probably going into either, I think going into 10th grade, I got my first letter from Springfield. Mm -hmm. It was a division three letter. And I was, I cried because I was like, this is crazy. this 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 is the first time like I could like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to pay for college out of pocket. So I was like, this may be an opportunity for me. So I, that kind of motivated me to come like push harder. So I did. And I got a couple of more letters. I went to a huge showcase going into my senior year and I went, I got a couple of more letters. That was, that was great. That continued to motivate me. So when it came time to like pick what school I want to go to, I uh, got diagnosed with a enlarged heart. So that kind of set me back and I almost didn't want to play, but ba- I actually like didn't want to play basketball anymore and had a tough senior season. I wasn't playing as much as I wanted to, our team was losing. So it kind of like set me back and kind of took the passion away from me. So then I went to uh, SUNY Delhi just for a visit and it was the only visit, college visit I went to. And the reason really why I chose it is because when I came back the same day back home, uh, there were like, gunshots hit my like house so I was like this like I was scared to go because of like my whole family situation I was scared to leave my brothers and sisters but like that made the defined decision that I was going to go to Dow High and just just do it and just suck it up and go there so when I went there that's when kind of like training took off for me mm-hmm. yeah that's uh that is an incredible story oh my god um yeah. you know obviously uh not too many people are ever put in that situation and you know sometimes I don't believe in coincidences uh personally um mm-hmm. you know obviously that you know, hopefully everyone's fine from that situation and no yeah, one got yeah. hurt, but like, at least it was something where it was very eye opening for you. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not a coincidence that it was the exact same day, if I'm not mistaken, as you said, like yeah, there yeah. is a reason that that happened. Mm-hmm. So shout out, shout out to you there, man. And uh, realizing that and being able to take that. And I guess, what was it like, you know, first, you know, with the enlarged heart, I remember you were telling me when we hopped on a call a little bit before mm-hmm. this, you know, it was, it's something you could play with, but it yeah. was the, that same year that uh, another young gentleman uh, yeah. actually died from the from the condition, correct? Yeah, so I don't even really, um, I don't know if it's because of my mentality or like I just don't really notice any effects from it. Um, I do get tired kind of easily, but I kind of push through it just because that's the person I am. So, but when I got diagnosed with it, um, I we had to go to Westchester and like take stress tests is what they're called. You mm-hmm. just kind of have to run on a a treadmill and do an EKG and I pretty much passed what I needed to pass in order to play high school basketball. But just the same year that happened, like you said, someone passed away from it in in New York city. So it was kind of hard to pass any physicals and get cleared to play like any NCAA sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's just unfortunate, you know, poor, Mm -hmm. poor, uh, poor kid. That's just such a shitty situation. Uh, You know, it's just, there's nothing you can really do about it. And what was it like first, kind of being told like, Hey man, you're probably never going to play this sport that you've grown up to love so much pretty much ever again. Um, it was devastating just because playing college basketball was like one of my dreams, every, a dream of every kid, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, tennis, you want to eventually play 
continue to play this sport as long as you possibly can. And I knew I wasn't going to play professionally. I always wanted to go into coaching. So I college basketball was kind of like the top of my dream of, of playing. So mm-hmm. it was pretty devastating. And like, so how did you, I mean, I'm sure there was some bouts with depression. I mean, you're a 17, 18 year old kid, a lot of hormones yeah. and shit. Like what, what did you do to cope with the fact again, that, that, you know, that you're not going to really be able to play anymore? Um, I just kind of put my focus. That's when I kind of put my focus into like wanting to coach. So when I got to SUNY Del High, um, I tried out for the team, but once my physicals got through, like they clearly said I couldn't play, but they put me on as a student assistant coach. And that's when I started um, working with players individually. And that's when I realized that I really want to train and, and not become a coach. <laughs> I like how you say that. I also like yeah. how you still tried. You still tried yeah. to go out. It's like, yeah, hey, well, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they'll miss it and maybe I'll get lucky. Um, unfortunately, that did not happen. And I guess, so, you know, as you said before, like you weren't going to be capable of paying for college if it wasn't, you know, within some sports aspect. How did you have the opportunity to to you know a go to that school i mean obviously your grades were good enough because mm. it's something you paid attention to but how did you kind of get by financially in that situation so i, I mean I, i'm still kind of working on paying back student <laughs> loans but uh, yep. i took out a couple of loans but as i was in college i got my grades up so i got scholarships that way also if you keep a certain grade criteria they give you scholarships and grants so that was that was a way that i also paid for college good for you man very smart and yeah let's let's talk about that time I mean, like what you know, as you said, you kind of wanted to get into coaching and then you tried it out. It wasn't quite for you. I mean, what was it like? First off, shout out to the coaches that allowed yeah. you to kind of come on the team. I think that's mm-hmm. incredible because if that never happened, obviously your life would not have taken uh, yeah. the turn that it has. So that, that's awesome. But I mean, what was it like, you know, kind of being on the team, being so close again to basketball? Um, did, was it at least fulfilling enough kind of knowing that you were still part of that team or was it kind of frustrating that you weren't able to be on the court? Oh, no, it was definitely fulfilling because I still felt like a part of the team. I felt like a very important part because a lot of the players didn't, they didn't look at me as like uh, just a student assistant coach once, especially once we started building relationships one-on-one. They kind of looked at me as like your personal trainer almost. So like there was times where if I wasn't in class and I wasn't studying, I would um, train them pretty much. And Mm -hmm. so we built relationships like that. And then We also build relationships where I would go, I would still be a student. So I would still like be in the library with them and, and grinding that way. So it was, it was great. It was very fulfilling. Like I still felt very much part of the team. Mm -hmm. And outside of the training aspect, which we'll get to like, what, you know, why did you not want to be a coach anymore after, you know, doing that role for a little while? Um, So I just learned that like coaching is a really big business. First of all, like you hear that all the time and it really is once you get into it. And it's just harder to like, I like building relationships. So it was harder to like, see how the coach there, the head coach there was trying to build relationships when he has a lot of other things going on and you're dealing with 12 players at one time, you're trying to keep all 12 players happy. And then you're also trying to keep their parents happy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of really hard to like navigate. So once you like training's a whole lot different, the only thing I have to do is keep this player happy and make sure they're getting better so they can play on mm-hmm. the court. Like I don't have to worry about, 12 people at one time so the politics the bullshit the boosters the recruiting like yeah there's as much as you know you love basketball i can see how that's not quite what you really want to get into when you get a little bit older so yeah it's hard it's hard i it's it's a hard business and it takes a long time to get to the top so oh gosh yeah yeah it absolutely does and um you know hey it is what it is i mean i I wore this sweatshirt just for you i don't know if you're a duke fan but i am and it's uh, you know basketball it's i don't really i'm not a huge nba fan i'm much more Mm. of a college fan i don't know i know the sports i know the competition's not as good but it's just Mm. always something that i've i've truly loved so 
shout out yeah. to you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, good stuff. So with, um, how long were you a coach uh, at Delhi for? Uh, so I was there for, so I stuck as a student assistant coach for the two years I was there until I graduated with my associates. So pretty much two years, but as like, I was still labeled as a student assistant coach, I was training the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then where'd you go after Delhi? I went to SUNY New Paltz for Oh, okay, cool. I actually yeah. went, I uh, had a friend that went there. I visited such a great place. That's yeah, it a really is. cute little town. Nice little yeah. place. Uh, yeah. Not a bad drive up there. Uh, a lot of people go rock climbing and like bouldering and stuff up there. Yeah, Those people are crazy, of, man. A lot of mountains. So. Yeah, man. It's a cool place though. Um, so yeah, like what, what did you do? So you were training the students while you were a student assistant coach. When you went up to New Paltz, did you try and find business up there as well? Did you kind of go hang around the basketball team? What were you doing when you were there? Yeah, so New Paltz is actually pretty close to Kingston. Okay. So it's, it's like a 30 minutes, 30 minute drive. So it's close to home. So I continue to train players back home. And then I did actually get on the team because as a student assistant coach, because the, the coach there, the head, new head coach there, I was actually training his nephew. So I had a nice. good relationship with his nephew. So he put me on as a student assistant coach. And when I was there, it wasn't like one-on-one training. It was more like consulting. So like I would go there and because he was new and he had a new staff, he would kind of like, I would have my own whiteboard and he would uh, explain like, he would go through whatever and I would write down on the whiteboard what I thought or I would meet with him and, and go through film with him or the assistant. So that was kind of like, that was kind of more coaching and consulting more than, than training those players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, what, what was it, what is it about training players that you love so much? Uh, I think the number one thing for me is the relationships that I build with, with the kids. And like, it's like, even now when we're all like quarantined, I still like text them and get text messages for them and like, make sure like I'm checking up on them. Like just the relationship we build, like even like in a, like mostly in the summer when they come home from like college or whatever, they're done with high school. Like sometimes we're in a gym for like six hours and sometimes we're playing basketball and sometimes we're just talking about like life stuff. So like, that's the the main part that I love the most about training is building mm-hmm. relationships with the players. Yeah, man. Building relationships with people. That's why I love doing this podcast. I get yeah. to talk to people like you, get to ask yeah. you some questions. Like if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have been able to build a relationship with you and learn more yeah. about, you know, your incredible story and what you're doing. So I think that's important. And, and when it comes to training, I guess, with um, how, how did you learn, right? Like, you, you know, you grew yeah. up in basketball, but how did you learn how to then become a trainer and know what the best is for each player and their, their body type and all these, you know, ancillary yeah. things? So I first started studying... Um, Drew Hanlon, uh, he owns Pure Sweat. He probably owns probably one of the biggest like training companies in the world, probably. Mm-hmm. So he owns Pure Sweat. So I started like um, paying for his classes and and learning from him. And then as I continued, I like reached I reached out to other trainers or just continued to watch their videos. So I watch a lot of Chris Brickley, who's really big right now. Um, Alex Bazel, who's kind of a, a friend of mine, and um, another. Uh, trainer that I really like he I think he's from Belgium his name is Jodrick Michaels uh, he's a really good trainer so that's I pretty much just watch and learn from them and I also sit in a lot of like uh, practices of like high school college coaches and stuff like that and and learn like also from their player development coaches and so so the the, the player development coaches in that aspect in, in high schools and colleges makes sense are all those trainers that you just mentioned are they all basketball specific or like how how do you how do you deal with that end of it? Like is all basketball specific trainers? Yeah, yeah, those are all basketball specific trainers. But I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and other things of other trainers to just to learn how to motivate players pretty much. 
Yeah, because I was going to say, I know that there's probably a lot of, um, there's a lot of ways that there's some cross-contamination and things you can do. I'm sure, you know, the the body types are different in soccer and football, but I'm sure there's different ideas and certain yeah. ways that you can pull things from what those guys are doing into what you're doing as well, yeah, correct? For sure, 100%. Yeah, I like that. And then I guess, um, I don't really know too much, too many basketball trainers. The one guy I do know, uh, Tim Grover, have you ever read his book? Oh, I haven't read his book, but yes, I know who Tim Grover is. Awesome yeah. book, man. Anyone out there listening, you need a good book to read again. While, uh, as Rohan yeah. said, as we're all in kind of quarantine, it's called Relentless by mm-hmm. Tim Grover. He, uh, he's a gentleman who trained Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. That's what most of the book, that book specifically is about. So yeah. if you haven't, I highly suggest it, man. It's, a, it's such a good book, such a good read. And just hearing all the crazy stories about Kobe and Michael and yeah. Dwayne Wade and what they went through, is, it is insane, dude. Mm-hmm. So highly suggested anyone out there. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes in case yeah. anyone's looking for an extra book to read. Yeah, um, I'll check that out. Check it out, man. It's worth it. It's a good one. It's a lot about the, the mental aspects too. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, that's another question. So when actually did you, so when did like Lionheart become an entity? Like when did you stop kind of just like hanging out, helping like a couple players and really make this like a business? So, I mean, technically this year we kind of made it official like Congratulations. LLC business. Yeah. So like the past like two or three weeks has been official, but I've been running it as a brand since like 2016. Okay. So, wow. So yeah. a few years now. Yeah. And the, what, what exactly goes into a basketball training brand? Um, at first I literally had no idea what I was doing. I kind of just was like, I might as well just do it and figure it out in a way. But like, as I was going through it, so we just, I use it to like mostly for the academies and clinics that I run or, or camps like that. That, that's pretty much what I use the brand for just so it's not under my name for legal reasons. But mm-hmm. be- besides that, I don't even really, I still am trying to figure out what I can use the brand for. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey man, you're doing something right. If you're, yeah. you're running these academies and clinics, you got all these athletes. Um, so yeah, I guess like for the academies and the clinics, like how do you attract players to come and want to work specifically with you and your team? Um, so I think the greatest thing that we've done that, we don't try to do anything like we don't even really market a lot. We don't really try to do anything gimmicky like that. I think the greatest thing we do is just get results. Like all our players that leave our Academy, they, well, one, they wear the shirts and then they always like say it's the best Academy or camp they've been to. And they actually like get results from it. So it's, that's something that we kind of just, we get a lot of business from word for mouth, word, word, Mm -hmm. word mouth from, from, to get the players into the academy mm-hmm. and this grown this will be our third summer doing uh the academy through the boys and girls club and last year we probably had over 100 kids so wow we're, we're hoping for a good turnout again this year yeah man let's hope uh when when is that academy going to be or tentatively scheduled for uh so hopefully we're, we're we started at the end of june when the kids are out of school we do a mm-hmm. summer one and a fall one we just did a winter one for five to eight year olds which was actually the f- most fun one i've ever done i enjoyed it a lot um, we did that one for eight weeks also. So that was fun. Wow. Dude. I've never done younger kids, but that was really fun to do. So that was, I think we're going to continue to do a winter one. So we have one for the summer, fall and winter right now. That's awesome. And what did you learn doing an academy for five to eight year olds? I mean, like, is the ball even regulation yeah. size? Like what, like, what are you well, guys doing for that? We actually, that age group? Ha- we actually have the ability to lower the, the rims and, nice. and, and the gym. So, and we got smaller balls for them. Um, I, honestly, I learned that even though the kids um, don't really understand what they're doing, as long as they're having fun, they enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I preach a lot that if the game isn't fun, it's going to be hard to like, 
if it, like when people try to bring younger kids for me to train one-on-one or in, in the individuals, it's hard for me to um, take them because I don't understand. I don't know if these kids love the game. Are you bringing this kid because you want him to be better because you like to see him play, but like seeing the younger kids play and, and just letting them have fun for the most part, instead of like drilling them and stuff like that was, mm-hmm. was really enjoyable. And then I guess like what, when it comes to the academies and the clinics and like the one-on-one, where where does most of your uh, revenue come from? Is um, it the one-on-one training? Probably the academies for sure. Really? Okay. Yeah, because there's just a, a lot of kids um, there. So the academies for sure. A lot of my one-on-ones are, um, they're cheap pretty much for the most part. And, um, and a lot of them kind of are uh, most of people that I've grown up with. So it's kind of inexpensive for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that is that a side of the business that you're trying to to grow out more? Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely been trying to grow that out more. Um, I've reached, I've I'm hoping to have a couple of Division One players come to our gym or me go to them this year. So we're we're really expanding. I've been uh, connecting with a lot of players. So and is that just straight up Instagram direct messaging? You know, yeah. networking kind of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Insta- Instagram. Um, same thing like building relationships with them, watching them throughout the season. So yeah, that's pretty much how I do that. Good for you, man. I love yeah. it. That is that is some impressive stuff. And and how many how many of the people from the academies and the clinics actually funnel into this like one on one aspect? I would say probably if I could put a percentage on it, I'd probably say like probably like forty percent. Not wow. not a not a lot because a lot of kids that come to the I mean, academy forty percent of a hundred is forty, man. That's a pretty yeah. big number. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of kids come to the academy because um, they're just looking to have fun. And I uh, probably get a workout in. A lot of them don't even make their high school teams, which is kind of the ones I enjoy enjoy the most because those are the ones that are that are trying to make the team. But so they're going to put in the most work. And then when it comes to to athletes like that, all the way up to Division One athletes, like how do you gauge and evaluate like what a need a, what a player needs to do better and how you mm-hmm. mostly how you can help them even more? So I watch a lot of film. Um, if 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 I have a chance to watch film for five minutes during the day, I'll do it. So that's pretty much how I evaluate a player. If I can get access to, like I tell parents a lot to like film their kid, just because one, you can go back and look at it and it would be fun to watch when you're older, like my age. And two, it just helps me. It, it makes it easier for me to train a kid to realize what he needs or what he's missing, what he's struggling and stuff like that. And I also reach out to their coaches and uh, ask them what it is that I can help them with improve their self so they can help the team win i love it man and then what about like the the mental aspect as you said like some of the time you just sit and talk with these guys and yeah. you just have like real conversations so how much how much of that do you pay attention to included on top of you know like the physical like hey we need to dribble with our left hand a little bit better kind of stuff yeah so i mean my biggest thing besides having fun like you can ask any of our players that's been with me a long time is my biggest thing is making sure you're mentally like good and uh, making sure your grades are right. Like those are two things that I preach like every day when I check in with them. Um, so that's, I study psychology lucky enough in, in college. So that's something that I kind of understand. And sometimes just having those conversations are, are just good to have, like just not touching the basketball and sitting there and just tapping into the psyche and just seeing how they think and how I can motivate them and, and push them to be better. Very impressive, man. I mean, how old are you again? 23. Yeah, exactly. Everyone yeah. out there listening, uh, you sound like you're like 35. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you've been doing this thing for a little while now. So I think it is pretty impressive. What, what kind of success stories? Uh, I know you, you had a couple NBA player nephews or sons or something you were telling me about the other yeah. day. Like what kind of success stories have you seen so far? Um, 
Uh, what can you elaborate on that? I don't know what you mean by that. Sorry. Success stories, like like yeah. seeing athletes, like athletes that have come through what you've you know helped oh. them with, to then see them you okay. know go on to colleges, go on you know to to you know bigger and better things. So I mean, I haven't been doing it long enough where I've seen anyone go pro or anything like that. Mm. But I can I can think of like our younger players. So like I've had one kid when I first started, um, Ryan Moore, who like was from the city similar to me where every closed off, like didn't, didn't really want to deal with anyone had a really bad attitude. And then, and he can really play, but because the attitude kind of kept him out of the game and we like build a relationship and he's kind of like my little brother now. And like, he like completely turned around his attitude. He changed his attitude. He ended up being a thousand point scorer in basically two years. Uh, He went from like pretty much sitting in the bench, probably scoring a, like a season high of 11, his sophomore year to score in two 40-point games his, his junior year and then uh, breaking a record for, like, most threes in the game his junior year and then finishing his, off his um, his senior year, becoming the first team to ever go to the state Final Four. And, wow. Uh, yeah, pretty much breaking a lot of scoring records there. So that's, that's one kid that, like, I, like, was a perfect example of, like, when I started that kind of – we started it together. And then another kid similar to him, I would say, is uh, uh, Mayor – uh, I forgot his last, uh, Flox, I'm here, Flox, same thing, comes from the city, kind of comes from a rough background, but he, like, completely turned it around this year, he's only a junior, but last year, when I first met him, he was, like, a really rough kid, like, was, like, borderline, um, just about to fail school, and, like, when we met, he kind of completely turned it around, and he played varsity this year and started a couple of times, we're hoping for a better year for him next year, though. That's awesome, man. Look at that. And like, what's it mean to you knowing that you're having like a huge, huge uh, hand and literally turning these people's lives around? I think that's the biggest thing for me because it was given to me. So me being able to give back and do that for kids, uh, really, it, it, it inspires me to continue and help as many kids as I can. And how many kids are you trying to help? Uh, if I could save the whole world. <laughs> I'll try. All right, man. I'll hold you to it. How's that? Yeah. Uh, if I can help in any way, let me know. I want to, yeah. I want to help you help people. I love, I love those kinds of stories. Um, and then I guess with, you know, going back to, you know, your, your coach, Chris, I can't remember his last name. You said it before, mm-hmm. but like how has he been like a huge kind of like North star guiding light for you kind of in this whole thing? Cause it sounds like you're doing a lot of the similar things that he did for you and other kids your age at the time. Yeah. He was always someone that like, believed in me no matter what it was I, I said I was going to do I could tell him like I'm going to be a rapper and he would laugh a little bit and then he would like 100% back me and support me whatever it is I was going to do as long as it was something positive like sometimes he was hard on us especially about our grades because he knew that was something that would help us get out of our current environment but like he like would 100% support me no matter what it was I was doing and he always backed me especially if it was something like sports and basketball like he kind of lives his dream through me because he wanted to be a, a division one coach and he had the opportunity to, but he kind of was scared uh, because it was a big change. So anything that I do, that's a big change. He always tells me to go for it. So hell yeah. Super support- supportive. That's awesome, man. So um, do you have any bars you can lay down for us? Oh no, I'm not a rapper. No. All right. Just <laughs> want to make sure. Just want to make sure. And yeah. Shout out to shout out to coach Chris. It sounds like he's done a lot of things for a lot of people, you specifically. And it's always cool because you know what he did to help you, you're now utilizing to help so many other people so through him you know he you know whether he knows it or not he now has a hand in so many other people's lives just through what you're doing and i think that's always really important to understand and and really look at and i guess like what is it 
why do you think you're so good at connecting with these athletes and building those relationships? I think it's because I, I relate to them as much with, with the two that I mentioned. I think I relate to them so much. And the ones that I don't relate to, I, I don't judge them. And I try to have empathy for them and see where they're coming from. And I think the biggest thing is just to listen and um, spend time with them is the biggest thing. Like I noticed a lot of like um, of the beginning stages, I was doing a lot of talking but now that I'm getting older, I'm just kind of sitting back and asking questions and listening and not, not even really giving answers. So I don't believe in give, I mean, there's times to give advice, but I don't really give advice. I kind of like just listen and talk and ask questions and have them figure out the answers to whatever they're struggling, struggling with. Or if they do something amazing and they tell me, like, I make sure that I'm there to support them and, and make sure they're congratulated for that accomplishment. That's awesome, man. Yeah, a lot of the times, if you let someone talk long enough, they figure out the answers to their own questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny how that works. All they need is a sounding board and someone to listen to, to, listen to them. Um, what are some other, do you have any other stories of some athletes? Uh, again, I know you, I'm not going to, I don't remember the name of the specific athlete you were telling me about last time. It was like something like Carmelo's son or like oh, oh, something so, or other. Well, I don't remember. Tell us that story if you want. Oh, so, all right. So you're probably talking about the time that I helped another trainer train Carmelo Anthony. Yes, that's okay. what I was talking about. So when last summer I flew out, so this all started with, um, I got to go back to Alex Bazel, who um, it was a super big help in kind of like boosting my career um, last year. I flew out to California to help him with pre-draft. And that's just when you get players ready for the draft. So we helped out Kevin Porter Jr., um, Tyus Battle, Benny Boatwright, and um, those were the three main guys we helped out for pre-draft. And then Candace Parker came out and worked out. I guess that's her guy that she uses to train. Um, Nafisia Collier is actually his wife now, or fiance now. They just got engaged. Um, and uh, that, so after that summer, I helped out. When I came back home, he uh, contacted me when he was in New York City uh, to help him out with Kyrie Irving. So I went down first um, at the NBA PA in the city to help him out with Kyrie Irving. And then same thing happened, I think in like November, if I'm not mistaken, before Carmelo signed with Portland, uh, I helped him out train Carmelo for two days. So you're, you're training incredible division one athletes that are going in the first round, uh, yeah. incredible female basketball players mm -hmm. and Carmelo Anthony and Kyrie Irving now, like in a million yeah. years, did you ever think that was going to happen? I always wanted my, goal was always to train NBA players. Um, so to be in the same gym with them and help, help Alex out like that, I wouldn't think of came within five years of me doing this. So I, I, it's, it's pretty amazing, honestly. And how are you going to try and continue to push that side of your business more moving forward? Is it just going to be working with him? Is it reaching out to other trainers and saying, Hey, I've worked with these guys. Like how, what are you trying to do moving forward with so that? Definitely um, more uh, reaching out to other trainers and, and connecting with them and, and trying to like reach out to these players by myself because I feel like I have the tools now to uh, train these players after being with Alex for, for that period of time. Um, but I still like reach out to him if I have a question, like just common question or if like when he got engaged, I reached out and um, uh, said congratulations. And he was actually um, a, a really good friends with Kobe Bryant. Like they were kind of like best friends and when he passed away, I sent him a, a text mm -hmm. message, um, you know, saying, I felt sorry. Yeah. 
about everything that was going on. So yeah, it's a crappy situation for everyone in that yeah. in that case. Um, you know, I wasn't even a big Kobe fan, and that still like it was weird. Um, yeah. it definitely hit everyone in in all industries and all types of people. So I think it's cool. And man, I mean, I just again, congratulations on all of this. I think it is so cool, kind of what yeah. you're doing to give back yeah. to the community, help the kids that you know were kind of in the same situation you were in, and now. You know, you're a good person. Karma pays it forward. And now you're, yeah. <laughs> you're working out with Kyrie Irving and Carmelo Anthony, man. I yeah. mean, again, like this is just so cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nah, man. Thank you for doing what you do. And I guess, I mean, my, my last question was going to be, you know, what's your ultimate goal with all this? But as you said, you know, you want to work with these NBA athletes. You want to, you mm-hmm. know, continue to help these Division One stars. I mean, how... You know, obviously right now we're all stuck in quarantine and you're not really able to go out. What are you doing right now to continue to try and push forward rather than stay static where you're at? Yeah, so I'm watching a lot of film. Um, I watch a lot of film of either my players now or NBA players and stuff like that. And I also am trying to connect with as many players as I can. So I, I'm DMing a lot of players. I'm still connecting with my players that I have now. But I'm watching – the main thing that I'm doing to keep ahead of the game is just watching film and just planning the offseason pretty much. Mm-hmm. And what do you got planned for the offseason? So I'm, I'm hoping to um, have – as many players as we can come in and which fits my schedule to come in and, and just I'm writing out plans for the players that already, we already have. And then I'm reaching out to those players that I'm hoping to get to see what it is that they want to work on this summer. That's awesome, man. Dude, this is incredible. Uh, anything else that you want to talk? This is your platform, man. If you got yeah. anything else you want to talk about, let me know. I'm, I'm more than welcome. No, I think, I think this is great. <laughs> No, dude, I think you're great. Rohan Johnson, uh, basketball skills coach at Lionheart basketball, incredible all around person philanthropist whether you knew it or not helping the community do and you can so rohan this was incredible man congratulations on everything thank you thanks so much for checking out this episode with rohan please make sure to follow him on all of his socials everything is in the show notes because as you heard he is just an incredible all-around human being and i'm so excited to see where he goes and how he gets there i think that'll be so so cool if you could please also give us a five-star review on itunes on spotify wherever the heck you are please just give us a review it takes about five seconds um and it's super helpful to what we're doing so thank you all so much time is the only thing we don't get more of so i really appreciate you giving me some of yours and i hope you make it a wonderful day